very pleasant good morning to each one of you. Thank you for being with us this morning as we have offered our worship unto our great God and Creator. If you have your Bible with you, you can go ahead and be turning to the book of Philippians chapter 3 and the passage that our brother Don read for us as we began our assembly this morning, and we'll be looking at that text here in just a moment. I'm so happy to uh, be back with you uh, today and to be standing in the pulpit this morning. Uh, We had several of you have asked about uh, the holidays for us, and we had just a great time with uh, both sides of our family in Mississippi and Alabama, but it's always good for us to come home and to see all of your uh, smiling faces this morning and to be among our own. I I trust that Gavin did a great job of preaching last week. I uh, got to listen to a little bit of his nine o'clock session uh, last Sunday morning because uh, where we were in Alabama, they don't start till 10 o'clock, and so got to listen to a little bit of that, but have not had the opportunity to listen in full to both of those sermons, but I trust that he did a, um, a great job with those, and uh, looking forward to this, this new year together uh, this morning. If you are visiting with us, we certainly are thankful that you have chosen on your travels to come and to be with us today. We have uh, a visitor, a lady that contacted me uh, last evening wanting directions to our building that is with us, a Sister Barb Turner from Pampa, Texas of all places, and that probably doesn't mean anything to you. I have never been there, but it's out in West Texas uh, of all places where my father-in-law grew up. And so she knows my father-in-law and knows uh, his sister uh, that uh, lives there or lived there And so, uh, as is often said, sometimes we say it is a small world, but someone has more accurately said it's a big family. And that certainly is true. But if you're visiting with us this morning and you're not a part of the family of God, we are certainly uh, glad that you are among us. And if you have any questions at all about anything that I say or anything that we do in our worship to God this morning, please feel free to ask me or to ask a uh, number of people here. We have such uh, good Bible students in this congregation. Uh, spiritual, biblical, scriptural questions that you may be wrestling with or looking for answers to in your own life. And we would be happy to uh, have an opportunity to sit down with you and God's Word and see what God might have to say that could, could help answer uh, those questions that you may be dealing with in your life. As I said to you at the nine o'clock hour, the beginning of a new year, I think, is just a great time for us to do some self-examination. And we spent our time in that session at nine o'clock thinking more about examining ourselves individually, to think about the commitment or maybe the lack of commitment that we have to the Lord Jesus Christ and how we can start that commitment if we need to this year, at the beginning of this year, or if we have made a commitment to Jesus and to follow him at some point in the past, how we can kind of renew our zeal in that commitment and we can be people like those brethren in Macedonia of old that decided that they were going to first give themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. In our session this morning, in this lesson, in this period, I want us to continue to examine ourselves, but not to do that so much individually, but to do that collectively, to do that as a congregation to think about where we have been in the year that is now past, it is, as it's been, I think, this Sunday, a, the first one year ago today, <laughs> that I stood in this pulpit as an evangelist here and began my work with you. 
But to think about where we have been in the past year, where we are right now as 2023 begins, where we are going, hopefully, if the Lord wills and this year continues on to the end, where we are going in the year that is before us. And so this morning, I want us to think from a congregational perspective about looking back, but also at the same time reaching forward. And as we do that, to begin in this text that hopefully your Bible is open to in Philippians chapter 3, and let's read here a little bit of what Brother Don read for us a few moments ago, beginning at verse 12, down through verse 14, and see what the Apostle Paul has to say about looking back and reaching forward. He writes again at verse 12 of Philippians chapter 3, not that I have already obtained it, and the it really is thinking back to the previous section about his knowing Jesus Christ and what that meant for him in his life, that he had given up everything that was near and dear to his heart. He had given up the probably the kind of, as we think in our terms today, the career path that he had laid out for himself. And he had given all that up so that he could know Jesus Christ. And especially he is saying, I think at verse 12, I have not already attained to the resurrection from the dead that he mentioned back in verse 11. So not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." Paul, at first glance, just looking at this passage on the surface at verse uh, 13, it may appear that he is saying to the Philippian saints and to us today that he was one who did not ever look back to his past, whether he was thinking about his past from a positive standpoint or whether he's thinking about his past from a negative standpoint, that he might be saying to these brethren that I'm just one that puts the past in the past and never looks back before he came to Jesus Christ. But I think on further inspection that we will find that he did not look back to that time in his, uh, that he rather did look back to that time in his life. Because he writes here in this very text, we didn't read it and not going to take the time to read it this morning. But if you go back to like verse four and read down verses four, five, and six, he's talking about who he was before he became a Christian. He's talking about he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was very zealous for the law. He, he was one who, who had just given himself totally and completely to the work that he thought that he was pleasing God and persecuting God's people and persecuting followers of Christ. But he not only writes about his former life here in this very text, but elsewhere in the New Testament. You can think about 1 Peter or 1 Timothy, rather, chapter 1. And, the end of that particular chapter where he makes that famous statement about himself that I am the chief of sinners. But he's thinking about his former life that he had devoted his life to persecuting Christians, to trying to stamp out Christianity rather than to promote Christianity. So Paul, it's not the case that he never thought about what was in the past, that he just completely removed his past life before Christ from his mind or from his thinking. But Paul, I believe the point here that he's making to these brethren and to us in Philippians 3 is that he did not stay in the past for very long because now his life was changed. He was a new person in Christ. Now he is in Christ and he was not looking back to the things that had happened before he was a Christian. Now he was reaching forward. He was grabbing hold, if you will, of the eternal life 
in Jesus Christ that lay before him. He had not yet again obtained to the resurrection from the dead. And he was reaching out, grasping with all of his might toward that eternal prize. Although Paul didn't live in the past or let the past interfere with the present, it doesn't seem to me, as you read all of his writings, what we know about his life, or even allow the past to interfere with his future, he did look back to his past, I believe, from time to time. But he is encouraging us here again, don't live in the past. You live in the present with your eyes focused on the future. So it's good for us from time to time to look back, not stay there, but to look back while at the same time reaching forward to the future. I think about the words of the Apostle Peter as he wrote to these Christians that probably were suffering for being Christians. In 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 5, I'm sure a familiar text to us, but I want you to think about this text in light of what we are considering this morning about looking back and then reaching forward. 2 Peter chapter 1 at verse 5, Peter says here, Now for this very reason also applying all diligence... Uh, In your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied for you. Lots of good things, obviously, said in this text. But what I want you to focus on this morning is this, that here is Peter in the next few verses, we're, we're not going to read those, but beginning at verse 12 uh, down through about verse 15, Peter realizes that the end of his earthly dwelling is imminent, that he's not going to live here on earth for much longer. And so he is urging these beloved brethren that he is addressing here in this second letter, he is urging them to be faithful, he is urging them to be fruitful, to be productive in Christ's kingdom by growing in their Christ-like character to take their faith. I think maybe Lance mentioned this in our adult class out here in the auditorium this morning. John talking to us about finding our faith and how we can grow in our faith and making our faith really our own faith. And and it was mentioned this morning that uh, faith is just the starting point. That we have to take our faith and we have to do something with our faith. We have to live our faith out. We have to supply, as he says here, add all of these godly characteristics to our faith so that we become a complete person in Christ. But as these brethren were doing that, Peter, I believe, is telling them here, as you especially look at verse 9, you need, in a sense, to look back. You need to look back to the time when Christ purified you from your former sins through the waters of baptism. You need to remember that you have been cleansed, that you have been washed, that you have been purified from your former sins. If you don't, you are blind or short-sighted. And so, yes, while we are even pressing ahead as Peter gets to the end of this book, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's something that we're pressing toward. That's something that we're working toward. That's something that is, we're, is now in the present, but is going to continue in the future. But even as we are looking toward the future and reaching forward to the future, we need to take a few moments every once in a while to look back. We too, brethren, 
need to look back quite often to the cleansing that we receive from our former sins. When we too, like these brethren that Peter is addressing here, we were washed in the blood of the Lamb so that we can reach forward to the entrance of the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is a vital part, I think Peter is saying, of being in the kingdom of God. A passage that we often refer to when we are partaking of the Lord's Supper and, and focusing our thoughts on what Jesus has done for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 26. Familiar text again, but think about this in light of what we are discussing this morning about looking back and reaching forward. 1 Peter chapter, or 1 Corinthians rather, chapter 11, beginning at verse 26. Paul writes here, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the Lord. As, as Paul is giving this church some instructions about the Lord's Supper and eating that supper together, he, he is reminding them and us that as we do that, we are really looking back to the cross. And of course, I believe we are looking back to the cross collectively that all of us are communing in that, that you know, we sometimes call it the Lord's Supper, sometimes we call it communion. That, that we are sharing in that particular memorial. We are all hopefully focusing our minds and our thoughts upon Jesus Christ. We're all looking back to the cross collectively every first day of the week. But I believe Paul is also making the point to us here that as we do that collectively, we ought to all be looking back to the cross individually. And a big part of that, as he mentions in the verses we just read, is to examine ourselves. He said examining ourselves as we partake of the supper together, but also as we do that, commune with God individually, that is key. That is key in participating the Lord's, in the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. He says to us here from the negative side that we need to not partake of the bread or, or the cup in an unworthy manner. I don't know about you. I, I, I mean, I've heard that verse used and explained as uh, sometimes meaning for us uh, or saying that it means that unless we are worthy, we can't partake of the Lord's Supper. We can't commune with him. Well, who among us is worthy to do that? When we really examine our own hearts and lives, none of us are because we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But I think he is saying in the way in which we observe the Lord's Supper, in the way in which we partake of that, if we are not thinking of Christ, if we are not even examining ourselves, that we can be guilty of partaking of that in an unworthy way. And so examining ourselves is key to doing that. And that involves looking in the rearview mirror of maybe the past day or the past week or even the past year, while at the same time Paul says looking out the windshield <laughs> with anticipation that he is coming again. We have to look back, but we also have to reach forward. And then one final passage along these lines is also to the same church here at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. 
2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5, Paul writes here, Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? I don't know how the Corinthians that Paul is addressing here, nor we ourselves today, how we can truly and thoroughly test ourselves, how we can really examine ourselves in the light of God's word without doing what we're speaking of this morning, without at least giving some attention and looking back in our life to see where maybe we have missed things in our life, to see where we have been weak, to see where we have stumbled and where we have sinned. But to look back in our life and to compare that to where we are now spiritually with God. And all the while as we're going through that process, anticipating the future. I think you see all of that here in this particular passage that we are to test ourselves, to examine ourselves. And why is all of that important? Because of what is coming in the future. Because we, like Paul, Philippians chapter 3, we realize we haven't attained to the resurrection from the dead yet. We realize that we're not fully and completely like Jesus Christ as we should be. And that we still have some work to do and we're reaching forward with all of our might to grab hold of what God has offered us in Christ, eternal life. I believe that these and other texts that we could look at from the New Testament this morning make it very clear that we should, yes, we must, We must look back to the past so that we can correctly assess where we are in the present and we can plan where we are going in the future. That's true of us individually, but I believe that's also true of us congregationally. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time this morning is to, us as a congregation, as a local church here, to look back at 2022 while at the same time to reach forward to 2023. These are just a few thoughts that I've had over the past few weeks and months, some things that we have done together. I don't know if you realize or not, and I have not been one as a preacher to ever keep a, a log or a record of people that I've baptized into Christ or, or who I have taught the gospel or anything like that. But as best I can remember, I think we have had five conversions to Christ uh, in 2022. Um, I don't know what that number says. It just says that there are five people who heard the gospel and decided, like John is talking to us about on Sunday mornings, that they decided that they're going to make their faith in Jesus Christ their own. They're going to start on that journey. Um, We've added about 25 people to the congregation. I don't know if you have realized that or not. Since we have been here at the beginning of 2022, I I know any time that there is a a change in a congregation, especially a preacher change, that there may be some who are members of that congregation that decide they're going to uh, worship and attend and work elsewhere. And we had some, I think, that we lost at the very beginning, but we have added a number of people to this congregation. I think we have about 175 uh, people associated with this church now. That's just a number. But that seems to be going in the right direction, seems to be a a positive trend, at least from my perspective. I don't know if you realize or not, it was mentioned by uh, uh, Kurt this morning uh, to think about as we we give to the work of this congregation. Uh, In 2022, we are financially supporting 14 preachers, and I believe that those are going forward here in the new year. Uh, Two of those, of course, myself and Gavin, uh, and... uh, might mention to you that Gavin's not here this morning. He's preaching in Mountain View. 
And I think that's going to kind of turn into a regular thing uh, for him, and I'm, I'm glad for that opportunity for him. Uh, but this congregation is financially supporting 14 men, not only here locally and in this country, but around the world, that the gospel is going forth, that we're having fellowship with, with those men. Also, something I was just thinking of, I don't know if you have considered, but we've had at least four men that, what I would say, kind of regularly preach at other congregations around. Uh, Tim Copeland, I, I think, is gone this morning, probably preaching in Conway, and he's kind of getting into a regular uh, schedule of, of preaching for a congregation there. Uh, in addition to Gavin, I'm not including him in that, but I know Philip and Xavier have, have preached away some last year. John uh, Neighbors is, is preaching uh, at a congregation uh, here in Arkansas every once in a while. But I think we have, a, we have a part in that. We may not be financially supporting them in their work of doing that, but we can encourage them, hopefully, and just them being a part of this congregation and receiving the teaching that they are here, that it's not just being kept with them, but that's, that's hopefully going out to help brethren grow in their faith, to help brethren reach forward uh, and grow uh, we started up, and I know that you have had this in the past, but we started up again this past year some small group gatherings with our uh, middle school and high school uh, group, age group, and having devotionals at different people's homes. Uh, we kind of uh, started that, me and Anna, I think it was back in August at the beginning of the school year, but then uh, our deacons being the kind of men that they are uh, kind of took that over and said, we'll, we'll fill out the rest of the school year schedule. And so once a month, uh, that, that group, middle school through high school, is uh, meeting in one of our deacons' homes. And myself or Gavin or someone else is just doing a short devotional for them and allowing them to have time to, to build those relationships and those bonds uh, as young people and as young Christians and to get to know them. Also, the 20s and 30s group, I think, has, has started at uh, Drew and Holly's house uh, several months ago, and that's good to get that group together. Uh, I think maybe some of this is coming out of COVID since I wasn't here, but uh, the congregation we were at for a number of years in Kentucky went through COVID just like you did. And kind of a lot of those things that we did outside of our assemblies went by the wayside. But I think it's good for us to get those things started again. And I'm anticipating that those are going to continue uh, into the future. As we reach forward to this year, just to think about this year and at least my uh, participation in the work here. Uh, we're going to have a yearly theme this year. And as you can see here on the screen, it's more like Jesus. I know that, that uh, Jacob Hudgens did a yearly focus or theme with you while he was here. And uh, I kind of took last year just to get to know you and I'm still getting to know you and you're still getting to know me. Uh, but to be a little bit more focused in my preaching this year to the congregation and to help me at least once a month as you can probably think, this, this theme is, I mean, wide, more like Jesus. <laughs> I could preach every sermon in 2023 on more like Jesus and not, never come close to exhausting everything there is to learn from the teaching of Jesus, from the example of Jesus, uh, from the life of Jesus, from the death of Jesus and his resurrection and all of that that is recorded for us in Scripture. But it's my intent at least to preach one sermon a month uh, from this theme, and, and there may be some other sermons. So you can look forward uh, to that. Uh, I, I think that I will plan to do that on the, the third Sunday of each month, unless I, I'm out of town preaching or something like that. 
And so maybe you can kind of count on in this hour, the third Sunday of each month, if you want to invite a friend or a relative or somebody that you work with, somebody that you know that's not a Christian, uh, to come and hear these lessons, not because I'm preaching them, but because hopefully they'll be from God's Word and they can learn more about Jesus. Uh, we're kind of going to do a mini theme. Uh, Gavin is going to be involved in this what we've called major messages from the minor prophets. The minor prophets, I think, are kind of a section of Scripture that we don't often tackle, uh, especially in sermons. Maybe we look at those in, in Bible classes or whatnot or on our own study, but it's kind of a neglected, I think, part of the Scriptures. And somewhat, I, I think, it can, be, it can be a difficult part of Scripture to understand uh, as you think about maybe some of the imagery, the visions that are are used there that may be some imagery or symbolism that may be like uh, Ezekiel or in Revelation or places like that in the scripture that uh, if you're like me, that's not really my kind of literature to read. <laughs> you know, I like something that's kind of straightforward. Um, but we're not going to get into all of that. We're just going to hopefully take uh, one Sunday, maybe every six to eight weeks and look at one of the minor prophets, one of the shorter ones, and our plan, at least right now, is for Gavin in the 9 o'clock session in the assembly period to look at, each, uh, look at that particular minor prophet to give an overview of that book, to give some background information of that book. It being a short book, to take some time to read that entire book in that session. And then at the 1040 session at the worship period that same Sunday, uh, for me to get up and to give some life applications from that minor prophet. I don't want us to get all caught up in the symbolism and imagery and to lose what's the main theme here. So we're looking at the major theme of these books and how their message can still apply to us today. And I hope that that will be helpful in our walk with Christ. And then the elders and I discussed several months ago, I think one of them mentioned to me, uh, doing some lessons this particular year on things that we all face, whether we're young, middle-aged, or old. And I've just called it a current issue series. It could be things like Abortion, these, this could be things like uh, sexual and gender issues that are, we are facing in our society today, worldliness, materialism, uh, just, just things that we all struggle with and, and things that we are bombarded with from time to time. And how do we even know what is being said out there? How do we know what God's Word says about those things? How can we uh, make sure we're on the right track? And how can we be ready to answer when people ask us about those things. And so this is not going to be a, probably a once a month type thing, but again, every few uh, weeks, maybe every month and a half, we will look at, at one of those, but kind of keep that on the regular preaching schedule. I'd also mention to you again, the men's class, we have started that up this, this past year again. I know Jacob Hudgens was uh, doing that. It's early, <laughs> 6.30 on, Sunday, or on uh, Friday mornings. Um, but if you can't make it here to the building as we, we meet that class here and you want to participate in that, it's on Zoom. And we've had, I think, almost every week since we started that a number of months ago, somebody or several of you have joined us on Zoom. And uh, you, you can hear uh, the conversation that's going on and be a part of that conversation and comment and ask questions. So uh, take advantage of that. We are, we are right now in the book of Nehemiah and finishing that up here in the next three to four weeks, but we're going to start the Gospel of Mark, Lord willing, sometime probably the early, mid-February. And I think that will tie in hopefully well to our theme this year of More Like Jesus, as we can study and focus on one of those Gospels throughout this year 
and learn as much as we can uh, about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you some questions as we think about and anticipate this year. How many seeds, spiritual seeds, can we sow here at home, but also abroad? We're, we're supporting again 14 evangelists. That's a great thing. But each of us, to the best of our ability and opportunity, we need to be sowing seeds. We need to be putting the gospel out there as we have the opportunity, as we see people at the grocery store, as we see them walking in our neighborhood, as we see them in the classroom or on the sports field or at work, to be thinking always about how can I plant a spiritual seed in this person's mind? We don't, we don't have to have a full-blown 45-minute in-depth Bible discussion with everybody we come across every week. But just to say, this year I'm going to commit myself to thinking and seeing those opportunities and planting those seeds in people's minds. How many conversions to Christ can we have? I've never been a big believer in saying at the beginning of the year, let's, let's as a congregation say we're going to have you know, 15 baptisms this year. I don't know that we can control that. Uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 about himself and Apollos that they, he planted Apollos water and it was God that gives the increase. But we can certainly do what we can, again, to plant seeds, even here among ourselves, as those, there are some here that are with us every week that are not yet Christians, that haven't made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. And we need to be thinking about those people, how we could approach them, how we could help them come to a relationship with Jesus Christ. How many preachers can we send? I don't think that 14 is the max number for this congregation. Can we do more in that in 2023? How many erring brethren can we bring back to the Lord? I, I know Todd's, Todd Castleberry is very good about this when he is uh, the uh, elder contact for the month and giving uh, announcements to us to remind ourselves or even in his prayers to pray for those that have left the Lord and they have walked away from their relationship with him and their walk with him. Maybe you have contact still with those people. How many of those can we try to reach? Can we put forth more effort? Can we reach forward in trying to bring them back to a right relationship with Christ? This has also been mentioned by our elders in recent months in the announcements. How much can we increase our interest in the Sunday assembly period in the nine o'clock session? Um, Y'all know, I think you know, at least I think I've told you that I'm a numbers guy, but I I don't have all the numbers of our attendance for for our different uh, sessions from last year available to me, but I did look at uh, the attendance list from time to time, and there is a big gap, I think, between those who are here at nine o'clock and even, even our Bible class period on Sunday and Wednesday, uh, that attendance has come up. Hopefully that's an, a sign of more interest in just getting together to study God's Word together and to uh, help one another grow. Um, but compared to this particular worship period, our attendance at the nine o'clock session is lagging quite a bit. I don't know all the reasons for that. Uh, I do know, and to say a, a word, a positive word about that, that we have a number of, of uh, young families with young children that live uh, way beyond where we live. We're like a 20, 25 minute drive here to the building, uh, but some that live in Cabot and, and BB and Ward, and they're usually here at nine o'clock. And I know having three kids, even though they're older, that, that takes a lot of effort. Uh, they have to plan ahead. And sometimes even when you plan ahead, things at the last moment go wrong. 
But they want to be here. They want their children to be here. I don't think we should look at our attendance as just a matter of checking something off the list. Because I don't think that's what it is at all. But it ought to be at least one indication of our interest in spiritual things and the commitment we've made not only to put God and the Lord Jesus Christ first in our lives, but to put each other as our brethren first in our life. While we're going big this morning, we might as well go really big, huh? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's so many things that we can, we can do in this year, 2023, together. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm excited about this year. And I'm anticipating the work that we can do together. Because as our brother Reagan McClenney spoke to us uh, last summer, in the series that he did for us, we are better together, brothers and sisters. And so I hope that you will commit yourself or recommit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost, but then to your brothers and sisters in Christ as well. Uh, just so you know, as I'm looking at the clock this morning, that, this may be the shortest sermon I preached this year. <laughs> uh, maybe it's not all downhill from here, I don't know. Uh, as we end our sermon this morning, could could you join me in a word of prayer as we begin this new year together? Our great and good God and Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you are our God. We are thankful that you have loved us first, that you have given of yourself first, that you have given us your son, Jesus the Christ, when we were your enemies, when we were sinners, when we were helpless, and we, when we were dying in our sins and did not care about you. We are thankful for that love and that mercy and that grace. Help us to keep that in mind today and as we live throughout this year. Let it be a motivation for us, a reason for us to completely and fully and wholly give ourselves to you and to first give ourselves to your son, Jesus Christ. We are thankful for the work that has gone on in this congregation for a number of years and for the, the year that we've had in this past year. We are thankful for those that have made the decision to be your followers. Help us as fellow brothers and sisters to look for opportunities that we can encourage each other, that we can help each other to grow in the grace and knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. We are thankful, Father, for our shepherds as they lead us and as they feed us, as they guide us in your ways. We ask that you would, would be with Brother Don, with Brother Richard, with Brother Kerry and Brother Todd, that you would be with them and their families, that you would strengthen them, that you would uh, give them the courage that they need to, to stand upon your truth and to lead us in your way. We're thankful, Father, for our deacons and for the service that they render to you and to us that allows us to function together as a church and to uh, put your word into action in the things that we do collectively. And we ask that you would, would be uh, with each one of them, that you would be with their families, that you would bless them, help us to see how we can be an encouragement to them and a help to them in, in the great work that they do here. And Father, please be with all of us. Help us in our individual walk with you as we face the devil from day to day. Give us the strength that we need to stand up and to resist him and to say no to him and to say yes to you at the same time. Uh, 
Help us at the beginning of this new year to be able to reflect upon the year that has gone by, but not to live there, to live in this present time that you have given to us, and to do that anticipating the time when we will be raised from the dead, when our Lord will return, and he will take us home where we can live with him eternally. For all these blessings and favors and requests we ask through your son Jesus. Amen. Well, if you're not a Christian, we hope that you will decide that this is the day you want to start this year out on the right foot. Would you come before this audience confessing your faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, repenting of your sins, and be baptized into Christ, and you can come out of the waters of baptism in newness of life. If you are a Christian and you have gotten off the path or you feel like you are, this is a great time for you to get back on it. And you don't have to do that alone, as we spoke of this morning. You have all of these people here, your family in Christ, to help you with that. Whatever your need might be, if you know that you have a need that only Jesus can fill, we would invite you to respond to his invitation. Come now as we stand and as we sing.